Hello and thank you for tuning in to the Evening Standard of the D1T in 5 for Tuesday, April 12th. I'm Anthony Grassi. Legendary former Louisville men's basketball head coach Danny Crum reportedly said to a group of former athletes and coaches last night at the latest AD listening tour stop that if Tom Jurich is brought back to L, I won't be involved. Alabama AD Greg Byrne weighs in on the current trajectory of NIL noting that in the NFL, deals for offensive linemen are rare. However, in quote, recruiting in college, you've already seen schools say, well, we're going to do something for the entire offensive line, or we're going to do something for the secondary, or whatever it may be, or a position group in basketball. I'm not sure if that was the intent of it. At the same time, too, there may have been a lot of good opportunities that are very legitimate opportunities for young men and women in our program and others. I think that's great, and if we can somehow get that regulated, but we are going to need some federal guidance at some point to create a model that is sustainable for the long haul of what we do. Western Michigan AD Dan Bartholomew joins D1 ticker and Collegiate Sports Connect's Steph Garcia-Psychos to reflect on his nearly first 100 days in the chair in Kalamazoo, during which time he's made his first men's basketball coaching hire and first senior-level administrator hire. Bartholomew saying, I texted Oregon State AD Scott Barnes this during the process because he was kind enough to let me sit in on a major coaching search at Oregon State with a football search. And I said, boy, it was a lot easier to just sit next to you and be a color commentator during these processes as opposed to actually being the one to have to make the decision. Bartholomew dives into the resources he used to prepare for his interview, introductory press conference, and first day as well as how his approach to strategic thinking has evolved now that he's a leader of an athletic department. More only on Connect. Steph Garcia Psychos also chatted it up with former Southland Commissioner Tom Burnett to discuss his 19-year tenure leading the league, including the relationships he built with campus presidents, how the student-athlete experience continues to evolve, his time as chair of the men's basketball committee, and why he chose to work in college athletics. Burnett also draws on his experience to assess where college sports is heading in terms of media rights deals, realignment, both broadly and with Southland, college football playoff expansion, sports wagering, and other key developments. Check out Burnett's full exit interview with your free Connect account. CBS's Matt Norlander posits that Gonzaga should pursue a men's basketball scheduling alliance with the Big East, similar to the model Notre Dame has with the ACC. Norlander notes, first, the Pac-12 is a non-starter due to the Zags' lack of football and the negative impact joining for hoops would have on other Pac-12 members because the only thing the likes of Washington, Washington State, Oregon State, Cal, etc. have over Gonzaga right now, the only thing is their Pac-12 affiliation. Meanwhile, a move to the Mountain West, quote, isn't considered to be worth the move for the Zags, unquote. A full department move to the Big East is also fraught, as one source tells Norlander. Gonzaga, however, could schedule some non-conference games in January and February while still maintaining their 16-game West Coast Conference slate. Norlander stating, It would be great for college basketball if the Zags were able to spice up the TV slate in a given year with January games at home versus Villanova, then at BYU. In February, a pair of tilts say, on the road to play Marquette, 
then welcome in Baylor for a Gonzaga home game around Valentine's Day. For Gonzaga, this could be the catalyst to continue its evolution as a national power. The school can't do it on its own, but perhaps coaches and athletic directors and conference commissioners will look around and realize there are still opportunities to improve the sports marketability prior to March. In fundraising and facilities notes, Florida received a $12.6 million gift from Velocity Automotive owner Hugh Hathcock, the largest gift to Gator Boosters in the organization's history. In honor of the gift, the UF Board of Trustees approved naming the Hugh Hathcock Suite Tower at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium and the Hugh Hathcock Basketball Complex at the UF Basketball Practice Facility. Portions of the gift will be earmarked for renovations to the basketball practice facility, while the balance will support the UAA Facilities Master Plan. Vanderbilt is the recipient of a $5.5 million gift from the Hall family to support improvements in the student-athlete and fan experience. Specifically, the gift will help fund a new lighting system for the baseball field, as well as a new sound system and new seats and graphics for Hawkins Field. Georgia Southern has received a $1 million gift from longtime supporters Denard and Wanda Scoggins for the plaza of the Anthony P. Tippins Indoor Practice Facility Project. The plaza will be named the Parrish Scoggins Donor Recognition Plaza in memory of their late spouses, Patricia Griffin Scoggins and Dan J. Parrish Jr. Thank you for tuning in to the Evening Standard of the D1T and 5 for Tuesday, April 12th. I'm Anthony Grossi, and be sure to check back in bright and early tomorrow morning.